Hey, everyone, and welcome to our first podcast, the Debt Doctor 911 podcast. My name is Dr. Chris Heave. I am known as the Debt Doctor, and I am so excited to be here today um, to start this journey um, with you in uh, really helping you understand what is going on uh, with debt and what you can do to build wealth. So this podcast, uh, the first one, as well as many to come, are really going to dive into you know, the importance of eliminating all of your debt and understanding exactly how the banks work so that we uh, collectively as a group um, can start to bank like a bank and really understand the secrets that banks refuse to tell us, but we should really know about. So um, today we're going to talk a little bit about those secrets those things that you need to be aware of when it comes to, number one, um, putting yourself in debt, understanding how to get out of debt, and then once you get out of debt, understanding how to build wealth. Um, like I have said, um, I'm, I'm a doctor, um, practiced for more than 20 years. And uh, during those 20 years, let me tell you, I could tell you all about debt because I had two offices to run, over an 11,000 patient base. I had a staff that I had to pay um, I had overhead that I had to pay. I had to take loans out in order to finance the operation. I mean, I was up to my earlobes in debt. And so that was very stressful. And I remember back all those years when I used to do presentations to my, my patient base and to groups and organizations throughout my community, I would always talk about the two biggest stressors in people's lives after they turned 50. Well, guess what? It was health and finances. And even today at age 54, I am continuing to work my way through my debt, but now I have a game plan. I have a game plan that I'm using where I will accelerate the payoff of all my debt. And that's what I wanna show you. That's what I wanna tell you about. And today we have a special guest. I'm gonna bring him on here in just a few minutes, but he's gonna talk about the importance of understanding how banks work how interest rates work, and really give you some insight on the things you can do to get out of debt as quickly as possible. So call me you know, a product of the product. I've been there, I've done that, I'm still working through it, and I hope that the information uh, we give you today and in the future will really focus on helping you become proactive so that you can eliminate all of your debt as quickly as possible and then build wealth. I look at this as an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. It is so important. You know, when you have an amazing technology that you can utilize, that you can share with others, you can't keep it a secret. You've got to tell others about it. And that's really what happened to me. I retired after 20 plus years in clinical practice, and it was time for me to move on and really start a new chapter. And that's when I stumbled across this technology and I really educated myself on the importance of eliminating debt and also building wealth. And as such now, that's what I do each and every day is I help people understand how to get out of debt and to build wealth. So remember, this is a game, okay? This is a game. You have to understand the rules of the game. And hopefully today um, with our special guest, 
you're gonna be able to understand some of those rules. Now, I can't tell you everything in one podcast, nor can I tell you everything in maybe 12 podcasts over the next 12 months. So what I would encourage you to do is take a look at this website. Make sure you write this down. It's www.debtfreewebinar.tv. Make sure that you go there and, and check out the free webinar so you can learn more about how to eliminate your debt and really truly understand the key factors in achieving that goal. Remember, it's www.debtfreewebinar.tv. So on that note, let's go ahead and kick off the show with our special guest. Um, his name is Richard Schaefer. And what I'd like to do is kind of give you a little background about Richard. Um, he was originally born and raised in the Midwest. And if I'm not mistaken, I think somewhere up there in, in, in the northern part of the Midwest in the wonderful state of Michigan. Um, and he now currently lives in Palm Beach, Florida. Quite the contrast, right? Going from cold weather all the way down to beautiful warm weather on a regular basis. Um, he's been in the financial services industry for over 30 years, and he's still younger than me. I'm 54 years old. I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's maybe in his mid-40s, but I'm sure he won't tell you that. Um, he's owned agencies and brokerages in the insurance, security, mortgage, and real estate fields. Um, over that time, he has held as many as 13 professional licenses in the industry. Now, let me give you a, kind of a contrast. In my profession, I had two licenses, and I had to do upwards to about 48 hours a year in relicensing hours. So I can't even imagine how many hours he had to, to do each year to maintain those licenses. He's a sought-after speaker and trainer within the financial service, leadership, and personal development arenas. He's also a financial strategist and an expert in the debt management and financial co coaching fields. And... Finally, he's, he's a great mentor to me and a, a truly a good friend uh, to boot. So I'd like to bring Richard on. Richard, welcome to uh, Debt Doctor 911. It's a pleasure to be with you, Chris. Thanks so much for the intro. I appreciate that. And yes, I am actually originally from Michigan, uh, born and raised and moved to South Florida about 20 years ago. Um, I did start the industry right out of high school. So uh, they wouldn't let me get licensed in middle school. Otherwise, I probably would have. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of my start in the industry. That's awesome. So right now, um, with what you're involved in, there's a couple of things I, I want to make sure that our listeners and viewers, since we are live on Facebook, um, come to understand about just the banking industry in general, because you and I have had these conversations before and we've recognized that, you know, the banks are really not our friends. And as much as they love to loan us money, um, they have really kind of put it to their advantage. It, it, it's, that's kind of an easy way to say it. Um, can you talk to our, our listeners you know, about that disparity in regards to what the lenders are doing and what we perceive them uh, to be? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we'll start a little bit by a kind of a backdrop to some, some context here, right? So Having grown up in the Midwest, much like uh, where you are, obviously, Chris, um, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, um, and I have a lot of respect for my upbringing, and I'm thankful for the great work ethic I learned, but there weren't a lot of 
perhaps options that were perceived when you were younger, right? It was, you got to be in the construction industry or you're going to be in the auto industry. Those were, you know, kind of the two things that uh, were presented to me as a kid. But I was always interested. I thought, uh, you know, money and education about money was my way out. And I think one of the things I learned early on, maybe I wasn't poisoned by what I was supposed to think. And I was really a, really a self-thinker. So I, I even started getting the Wall Street Journal in middle school. All my friends thought I was crazy, probably. And my dad was in the construction business. And so literally when I first learned something as simple as, as the time value of money, the compounding effect of money as being, you know, the eighth wonder of the world, as Einstein talks about it, I literally be at coffee breaks on my dad's construction sites, showing people the roll of 72 and the time value of money on drywall at coffee breaks. But one of the things that's important about that lesson is, you know, you said two things that are really important early on, Chris, every January 1st, 80, 90% of the population has two of the same primary New Year's resolutions, fitness and finance, right? It's going to be absolutely right. Get, you know, get in shape, lose weight and get out of debt and save money. Now, the challenge with that is that we don't necessarily know how to go about that. And we think we do. You made a great reference really about rules to the game, right? The fact of the matter is we're all forced to play what really amounts to be the money game. The problem is we really don't know the rules. And sadly, worse, much of what we're told is to focus on a little bit like a magician does. They want you to focus on one thing so you don't see the other. So we become focused on two things primarily when it comes to finances, interest rate and payment. Now, of course, salespeople in the industry want you to focus on payment, you know, the monthly payment, right? We're monthly payment to death. But even financial institutions want you to focus on interest rate. Well, here's an interesting concept. It's not so much about the interest rate. It's how the interest is calculated how the finance charges are assessed and how and when the payments are applied that determines how much actual cost there is associated with that debt service. So it's so when you look around the world as an example, and I think everybody on this call could relate to this, but the biggest buildings you see in any city, in any state, in any country in the world are always banks and financial banks. institutions. Now that's not a crime, but there's something to be learned from that. And there's two things that they do differently than most of us. There's a lot of things behind the scenes, but there's two primary things. Number one, the first is the golden rule. It's not the one we learned in church. It's he who has the gold makes the rules. That's Possession true. is nine tenths, right? So they physically have the money and they know what to do with it because they deploy a couple of things in terms of volume and velocity. In fact, 83% of all bank accounts are in non-interest bearing accounts. Now, right now we currently have a very low rate interest rate environment. So you could say, well, maybe that's part of it. But even when interest rates on savings accounts were two, 3% and so, still over 80% of people didn't actually earn interest on their accounts because almost all of it was in their checking accounts. And here's why. See, the average person, the average family in America makes $59,000 a year. So let's just say it's $5,000 a month. And maybe their fixed expenses are about $4,000. Well, then they add an extra $150 or $200 a week on going out to dinner, going to the movies, or what we used to do before COVID. And maybe they only have two, three, dollars $400 a month left at the end of the month in that checking account. So in their mind's eye, Chris, they think, well, what difference does it make if I make any interest? What they're not realizing is banks leverage every dollar you have every day you have it until you spend it. They don't put it into some little drawer that says, hey, this is Dr. Heath's money. They actually deploy that money. In fact, they loan it out in what banks call an overnight lending rate to other banks at a half percentage point a day, yeah. which means they're literally gonna, earning 180%. I to, yeah, I was going to say that, Rich, that they actually take mm -hmm. our money after midnight and they actually sit there and use that money to make money, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's 100 percent spot on. So the whole point behind that lesson is it's not just the spread. Right. We think, OK, well, I've got 
1% in a savings account, they're charging me 3% on a mortgage or 4% on a car loan. They make that spread. That's a little bit of it. But they're making upwards of 150% or more on the leveraged use of that money daily. So one of the strategies is understanding not just, we all understand the basic concept of compound versus simple interest. Although from a technical standpoint, it's really open versus closed end interest. See, we can use an example. Let's say that we had, for argument's sake, Chris, interest rates are very low right now. So we'll say there was a 3% mortgage. Let's say you had a 3% line of credit, a 3% car loan, and a 3% credit card, just, just for argument's sake. Now on the outside, they all appear to be equal, but they're not. They only appear that way. So let's take the example of a credit card. You run up a balance at the end of the month, you pay it off in full. Of course, the amount of interest you pay is zero. But the question is, in that case, Chris, did the, amount of, did the interest rate matter at all? No, whether it was a 0% interest rate or 24%, they paid nothing because of the type of loan that was, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take a line of credit. Let's say you borrow $10,000 on a line of credit. You pay it off on the 15th or the 17th or the 20th. Well, you don't pay zero interest because it doesn't work exactly like a credit card, but you pay interest on an average daily balance, which mm -hmm. means you're no longer paying 3% interest on say 10,000. You're paying 3% interest on maybe three or 4,000, which is the equivalent of roughly 1%. So again, was interest rate the most important factor? Absolutely not. No. Let's go on to a car loan. Let's say you have a $500 payment on your car loan and $100 goes to interest and $400 goes to principal. Well, every single payment, that exchange is exactly equal. That works until you get to mortgages. There's a reason that mortgages exactly. are the most expensive loan you'll ever have, not just because it's the biggest typically and the longest term, because how that particular type of loan is inherently designed. Now, here's a little bit of interesting background about the mortgage industry. Back in the day, way, way back in the day, right? We didn't have mortgages. People built their own homes and they helped found our country. But when they first started coming up with financing options from banks, they actually had to put 80% down and banks would only finance 20%. And then that was a five-year balloon. Now, eventually, pre-post-war era, they came up with longer-term instruments, 15- and 30-year loans. But here's something most people don't know. There's something called the seven-year itch. And of course, there was a movie based on with Marilyn Monroe many years ago, but it's right. a physiological phenomenon. You know this as a doctor. The average person moves every seven years. They get divorced every seven years. Well, banks actually realized prior to developing those loans that the prior three years that the average person lived in their home 7.2 years. So they designed these loans in such a way where literally the first seven years was almost entirely weighted towards interest. So it's all set up for them to win. The next problem is the average person moves or refinances about every seven years. So they're constantly going back to the sweet spot for the bank, obviously not the consumer. So that's a really big part of that story that's important for people to understand. And that's why real quickly, Richard, a lot of people you see now in this big refinance mm -hmm. thing that's been going on for years, you know, oh, well, five to seven years into their actual payment of their loan, now they want to refinance because they want to get a better rate. That's okay, absolutely so true. In fact, it it's even- rate. It's even worse, Chris, because I've owned three mortgage brokerages, so I'm not at all saying that there's not a place for refinancing. And certainly when you're pulling money for home improvement or debt consolidation, there could be an argument for it. But the truth of the matter is that 71% of all candidates that have 23 years or more go back to 30 years. Now, first of all, adding four, five, six, eight years to a debt certainly isn't going to help you pay it off. Number two, you're going to add those costs, which could be four to six, maybe even eight or $10,000. So now you've increased the size of the loan. You've extended the term of it, but here's the worst part. You actually reset the clock on the beginning of that amortization schedule. So you've increased the amount of interest volume. This is an important concept. It's not so much about the interest rate. It's about interest volume. 
A few years ago, the government finally put some pressure on banks to actually change the disclosure on their what they call their closing disclosure forms, which show what they call the tip, the true interest percentage. In other words, the amount of interest volume you're physically paying on every single payment. The average consumer could do this very easily, Chris. They could take their mortgage statement, set aside the escrows, and just divide the amount of interest into the entire principal interest payment. You're probably going to get a number of 40, 50, even 60% or more of actual interest volume that's going entirely to the bank. And every time you reset that clock, you reset yourself back to that predominantly interest-loaded aspect of that loan, which goes to the bank and not to the consumer. All right. So it's it's a constant cycle of bank profiting, okay, your money mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. You don't even know that this is going on Absolutely. because you're so fixated on this. I got a better rate from 3.5 down to 2.5, let's say. Absolutely. And and, and it, again, it, it's really the, the bank, they're not truly being honest with us, even though, you know, the no. bank is in, in business to make money. I understand mm -hmm. that. But the basic consumer, I mean, look, when was the last time anyone in this audience has actually, at a closing, pulled out their amortization schedule and looked at the actual schedule? I mean, they're more right. concerned about, give me my key because sure. I want to go to my new home, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, it, that's absolutely right, Chris. In fact, when I used to go to all the closings, I would always say there's only three documents here that really matter, right? There's the note that puts you on a hook for the money and the mortgage, which says, if you pay, you stay. If you don't, you won't. But then there's the truth and lending statement. And this is the one nobody wants to look at, right? They're so excited about their 2.875% interest rate until they get to the truth and lending statement that says, hey, congratulations, you're going to pay back $212,467 over the course of this term. And people laugh, literally. They say, well, I'm never going to live there that long. Well, it's worse because you're going to live somewhere and you're going to keep paying that over and over again. So the average person pays this many, many times fold. And you made a good point, too, because... Again, we're not we're not bashing the industry. It's the opposite. Imitation, Chris, is the greatest form of flattery. So our whole focus is how do we adopt these proven systems and strategies that banks have been using for decades to make them the biggest buildings in the world and allow the average person to imitate these very same strategies to take advantage of volume, velocity, leverage, and putting their money to work to be able to actually offset or cancel interest that otherwise they would have been scheduled to pay. In fact, there's strategies you can deploy, Chris, that are so effective that even without refinancing, the average person can reduce their overall effective weighted interest and every debt they have to somewhere between one and one and a half percent. Now, when you can eliminate two thirds of all the interest you're going to pay, guess what you can also do? Pay that loan off two, th two thirds or three times faster, which could allow them to what? Upgrade their home sooner, right. buy a second home, a real estate and portfolio, investment portfolio, et cetera. So, so let's make sure our, our audience understands exactly what you were just talking about in that low interest rate across the board. So imagine if you had a mortgage that's, you know, 3.5% interest. Maybe you had a credit card or multiple credit cards that had anywhere from 14 up to 29% interest. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had a car loan that was in the 9% interest. What Richard is talking about is, is that there is technology out there that allows you to take all of those debts with those different varying interest rates and be able to get them down to a point where I've even seen it as low as 0.8% mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. across the board. Now, think about this for a minute. If the, if the bank president called you today and said, hey, <laughs> uh, George, um, why don't you come down the bank? You got till 5 o'clock, but I'm going to take all of the loans you have and whatever interest rate they're at, and we're going to drop it down to 1%, 
Okay, it would be a run on the bank. You, you could get there fast enough, absolutely. You get there fast enough, okay? Mm -hmm. and, but there is technology out there that can actually do that for you. That's what's exciting is that, and, and you said this before, Richard, technology has caught up to the financial industry, right? Is that correct? I mean, is that a good Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And it's interesting because as a, just a, a parallel conversation, I, with a couple of friends of mine, actually helped to launch a crypto company back in 2014. Now, we were even too far ahead of the curve, unfortunately for us, but the whole idea was the average person just couldn't envision that that was the direction things were going to go. And absolutely, technology has now finally caught up with the ability to literally help the average person bank like a bank, building complex algorithms to determine not just the amount of debt you have, Chris, and the payment and the interest rate, but the volume and velocity in which those monies are actually distributed and or received and help you determine the type of loan how the interest is calculated, how the finance charges are assessed, how and when the payments are applied, and be able to maximize the leverage use of every dollar you have, every day you have it until you spend it. In other words, put your money to work for you to mm -hmm. actually use these same systems the banks have against them and for your benefit, not the banks. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. That is. And you know what's um, fascinating about that whole concept is, and I've seen this multiple times in helping people in my community, is they recognize that, well, first of all, you don't have to go out and get another job. Right. You don't have to figure out where I'm going to find other income to do this particular process. Mm -hmm. that, that the technology allows you to work within the confines of, number one, your, your net income, as well as your monthly expenses, as long as you have some type of discretionary income. And I've seen it as low working effectively with a couple hundred dollars of discretionary income. Um, being able to pay off debt in one third the time, sometimes in as little as five to seven years, it is absolutely mind blowing. But mm -hmm. it is simple math. I call it math on steroids. Um, right. But you know, people don't realize this. They don't. And once they find out about it, they're absolutely blown away. And obviously, they say that's too good to be true. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, we have another conversation, right? But you know, debt is so commonplace now in our society. Yeah. And, and to know that we have this avenue to educate you know, people on how to get out of debt and then more importantly, build wealth is, is just a slam dunk for me. Um, you talk about uh, revving up you know, uh, the engines and getting passionate about helping people. Um, sometimes I just had a, a gentleman today um, uh, text me and he was asking about mortgages and I said, hey, you know, have you heard of this technology? And he said, oh, no, I haven't. And you know what? I'm about ready to refinance. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, I want to come through my telephone and grab you by the throat <laughs> and, and, and shake you, you know, until I, you know, sense comes into your brain to realize that refinance is not a good option. It, it really is not. Um, you know, obviously, you said there's some, some instances where it could be. Sure. But many times people will say, hey, I'm going to save a couple extra hundred bucks a month. But what do they do with that money? Absolutely. They actually go on and they spend it. Okay. They don't use it to actually pay down debt. But I'll interject something on that too, Chris, if yeah. you don't mind, is that, you know, I do consult with a lot of not only financial professionals, but folks in the mortgage industry, obviously. And the truth of the matter is, there are a lot of instances where it could make mathematical sense to refinance. However, I, with all of my financial partners, particularly in the mortgage industry, I tell them only allow your clients to do it if they're going to deploy a strategy like this where we can put that additional money to work to exactly. accelerate their benefit, not put them further behind. So it's not as if we're saying 
they should do this over that necessarily, but it should be this in addition to that if that's what the route is. So it's very, very complimentary. And, and you say something that stands out a lot. I've heard this, I've spoken all over the country about this subject for over a decade. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, that's that's gotta be too good to be true. And I look at them, I say, the truth of the matter is what you're doing, what you've been doing, what you've been taught to do your whole life should be too bad to be true, but it's not. And the banks obviously have got that system all rigged to their advantage. And so our whole goal is to create a little bit of an educational process to understand, again, how do you bank like a bank, right? How do you deploy these assets? And the very concept, I think we're all kind of familiar with interest float, right? And maybe interest accumulation uh, and maybe even uh, some sort of strategic methodical way to pay off. But interest cancellation, here's a great example for you. Amortization schedules on loans, as an example, we'll just use mortgages because we've been talking about that, aren't actually based on payments as much as they're based on predetermined balance points. Well, whenever you can accelerate your payoff to a point in the future where that balance would exist, you've now permanently eliminated all of the payments, both principal and interest, that would have otherwise been necessary to get to that point, which means oftentimes you can exchange a dollar to eliminate three or 10 to eliminate 30, right? Mm -hmm. You can get a multiple return on that because you're actually using these systems obviously your advantage instead of the bank. So there's a lot of really powerful ways. In fact, I've seen strategies, Chris, as low as almost one half of 1%, 0.58%, I think is the lowest I've ever seen in terms of reducing that overall effective interest rate, because that's important. Effective interest rate is where it all matters. The note rate is just that number used to calculate your payment. APR is a disclosure number, but the actual physical number that's important is interest volume. The amount of average overall weighted interest volume is what determines your debt service cost. You know, here you are, you dig yourself out of this hole, you're out of debt, and now you have the opportunity, no matter what age you are, okay? And I'm talking about, for example, my son, he'll be out of debt, he's in his mid-20s, he'll be out of debt in a few years, um, to even myself at 54 years of age, I'll be out of debt um, in a little longer than that. But mm -hmm. my point is, is that anyone can utilize this technology and anyone can can really move forward to building wealth, right? I mean, the end result is get out of debt Absolutely. and then start using the monies, the resources to build wealth, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, it, it, you know, when I started early on in my career in the insurance and security side of things, the whole goal was, of course, helping people. Everybody wants financial independence, right? But at a minimum, they want some degree of financial stability and security. The biggest impediment, however, to people reaching that goal is they simply just don't have enough dollars to direct towards those goals to get there quick enough. Well, guess what the number one reason is that they don't have enough available dollars to be able to redirect? They're drowning in debt service. So until you get better control, yes, it comes with budgeting and being a better steward of your money and, and all those sorts of things, which there are systems that can help you do that efficiently that work in adjunct with what we're suggesting here. But the whole idea is our goal is to convert debt to wealth, right? Really leverage these dollars, even with the money you have. I, I'll give you another example. You had mentioned or alluded to this earlier. You know, yes, somebody's got to be 18 years old because they've got to be at legal age, right? They have to have debt, which is about 95% of America. They have to want to get out of debt. That's a fairly important thing. But they can have as little as $1 discretionary income. Obviously, the more they have to work with, the more, the more room there is to get results. But they can literally have as little as $1 discretionary income. They just can't be upside down because it's math, it's not magic, right? right. But the system's gonna be able to determine predictively, almost like AI, to be able to predictively determine and calculate to the penny, to the day, 
exactly which debt to pay off, how much and when. Now, I don't care how brilliant somebody is mathematically. I know a lot of smart people in the industry. There's no way the average human being can calculate all of those factors at any given moment. So when you think about GPS as an example, um, I live, again, on the east coast of Florida. My mom lives over in Sarasota on the, on the, on the west coast. Now, I've been there 100 times. I know exactly where my mom lives. But every single time I go there on my car, I still click mom's house on the GPS. Now, I do it because, one, it's automated. I'm busy and distracted. I don't want to think about it. But the other reason I do it is because, you know, now the roles have changed. And every time I'm on my way, my mom's always like, when are you going to be here? When are you going to be here? Right. Because I'm always running late. She's always cooking dinner, et cetera. But right. now I can say, mom, I'll be there in 47 minutes. Now, back in the day when I was just looking at a map, I was like, well, I don't know. I'm about a third of the way there. But what it doesn't calculate, and this is why GPS is so profoundly powerful. We're never going back to maps. Nobody challenges that. Here's actually why. It's not just the convenience. It's that life doesn't work in a straight line. Life is a lot of detours along the line, just like driving, right? So yeah. along the way, if it was just going from point A to point B, well, that would be simple. But in the real world, there's weather, especially up in the, in the Midwest and the Northeast, right? There's weather, there's That's traffic, right. there's car accidents, there's railroad crossings, there's I've got to stop and take the kids to the bathroom for the third time or get something to eat or get gas, right? And all of those things factor into our estimated time of arrival. What is GPS though? recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. So at any given moment, you know exactly how much distance you have to go and the estimated time you're going to be there. Imagine if you could create a system where literally you had almost like the equivalent of a financial GPS for your money, which would literally be able to tell you the day and month and year you'll be totally out of debt, how much interest you're scheduled to save, how much you're scheduled to pay. And most importantly, at any given moment, Chris, in real time, it could recalculate those results. And you could understand the long-term effect of every decision you make right now. That would be financial foresight in an incredible way. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and that technology does exist. Yes. It does, that's, that's what's great about it. Hey Rich, I, I wanna really uh, thank you for coming on uh, this first show. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be sure. with me uh, on this uh, on this first podcast of the, the Debt Doctor 911. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously just a few minutes ago probably needed to, uh, uh, call 911 and do some <laughs> cardiac arrest or cardiac resuscitation on uh, our show. But uh, hey, <laughs> things happen for a reason, you know, uh, first show, uh, you know, uh, issues. But look, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. And uh, good luck to yourself. God bless you, my friend. I really, really appreciate that, Chris. It was a pleasure. And uh, it's definitely a needed topic. I really applaud you uh, for making the uh, making the space for this kind of conversation because debt really, truly has become uh, a, a horrible, horrible challenge for a lot of people. And that's why we've, we've got to kind of come together as a group and, and take back America one family at a time. You got that right, Richard. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Wow, that was some great insight, you know, into understanding how the banks work, some of the secrets that they uh, deploy uh, to basic consumers. And in closing uh, the show today, I do want to kind of bring forth a couple of things. Each show that we do, I'm going to try to give you some action steps. I think it's important for you to take away um, some information from our show that you can actually go and, um, you know, utilize those things um, in regards to, you know, how you can get out of debt and how you can build wealth. So, so here are the three action steps. If you have a pen and, and a notepad, make sure you write this down. Number one, take a look at your current situation. Um, it may be painful to do so. I know for myself, um, it was painful. Um, 
but it must be done. And you know this, uh, you know Tony Robbins, right? He once said, the purpose of pain is to move us into action. It is not to make us suffer. So yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, you're not going to like uh, looking at your situation. But here's the next step. You got to say to yourself, enough is enough. Okay, you got to change. Remember the three C's of life, chance, choices, and changes. You must take a chance to make a choice and change your life. That's so important to remember. And the third step is call yourself to action. Okay, recognize the problem, understand that you have to move forward, but call yourself to action. That means get educated. Okay, whether you wanna you know, attend webinars, read books, okay, whatever you need to do, get educated. It's not too late to learn exactly how this game is played. But here's the best part of all this. I have all this taken care of for you, okay? Don't tell the banks, I got this taken care of for you, okay? And here's what I mean. We have the tools for you to get started. If you wanna learn more about how to do this effectively, guess what? I've written a book, okay? It's called or titled Seven Keys to Living a Debt-Free Life. If you want a copy of it, all you need to do is just send me a private message. If you're on Facebook right now, just Facebook message me. Um, or you can go onto my website uh, and you can, you can request that book, okay? Um, the next thing you can do is you can attend a very comprehensive, it's short, webinar at the www.debtfreewebinar.tv. Go there hear from others that are utilizing this technology to eliminate all their debt and to build wealth. And you'll really good, a, get a good foundation of exactly how this technology works. And then finally, you can schedule a payoff report. It's free. Write this website down, www.getdebtfreedate.com. That's getdebtfreedate.com. And there you can actually schedule a confidential payoff analysis and report. So things for you to think about, things for you to do. Until next time, this is Dr. Chris Heave, the debt doctor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Take care, y'all.